Hey, y'all. It is your host, Ayana Zayir Cotton. I'm back with another software episode. Um, a lot of new things are coming up um, for me personally, like right now in this moment. Uh, the main thing, the current thing is that I really want to start experimenting with a YouTube channel. I feel like that is where a lot of curious coders are. I know that's where, um, that's kind of where I started to explore. Um, that's where I started looking up and trying to follow coding tutorials, right? So I really want to experiment with being present on YouTube and CETA School being present on YouTube um, and connecting with the curious folks there who may be watching YouTube videos or trying to follow coding tutorials or find coding community uh, and is not really finding a good fit, right? Um, a coding platform that acknowledges um, their care work and genius of Black feminism um, coding communities that acknowledge that we are bringing our bodies to this practice, right? Yes, we bring our intellectual like capacity and our problem-solving skills and our creativity, right? But we also bring bodies to the keyboard um, that we, it, we, we code with our hands, right? All of those things or, or, or with our mouths, um, all of these things, um, are still connected to a body, right? So you also may be um, a curious coder who is looking for um, a coding school or coding platform that also acknowledges like the somatic realities of being a programmer um, and being a software engineer, right? That's what CETA School is doing. That's what today's podcast is also kind of about. But something else that's coming up for me as I'm recording this podcast is I am going to dip my toe in like the YouTube waters by just uploading the videos of this podcast. So some of y'all may know, some of y'all may not know. Um, I have been having a time and a half with using Zoom as my like podcast recording tool. <laughs> so what I do every single week anyway, or, you know, whenever I'm recording a podcast is I open up a Zoom room and I hit record. So I, there are already videos of me recording this podcast, um, but I only publish the audio. So I, I was thinking to myself, you know, as I'm reflecting on wanting to like embark on this YouTube journey, what would it look like to show up? Um, like inside of a practice that you're already engaged in, right? Like I'm already recording the video. So what would it look like to just share that video? Um, so what's coming up for me is realizing like, I'm like, this isn't a video that is just gonna be kind of in the vault. It's a video that y'all are gonna see. Um, so I'm trying not to get, you know, too in my head about that and too self-conscious about um, how I'm showing up on camera. But I just wanted to be super transparent about how I'm showing up today and the things that are swirling um, inside of my body and inside of my practice and inside of my thinking about my practice and how I want to share um, and how I want to connect with y'all, right? I want to show up where y'all already are. Um, some of us are on Instagram. Some of us aren't. A lot of us are on YouTube, possibly. Some of us are on neither. 
and they're in the podcast app, right? Some of us are on none of those and are um, only on email, right? So I'm thinking about ways that I can show up that feels accessible for y'all, but also show up in ways that feels accessible to me. Um, so speaking of success and softness and availability, um, and ways of showing up today's podcast episode to this week's or last week's newsletter, um, was titled everybody's a teacher now and it's everybody's right. It's the every there's a space in between every and body because I wanted to emphasize um, the the um, the significance of the body as we think about um, our ways of learning and our ways of working and our ways of being. So the title of last week's newsletter is "Everybody's a Teacher Now." The subtitle is "Education as New Media in the Somatics of Engaged Pedagogy." Um, I mentioned in the last three episodes, that's something that I'm going to be practicing moving forward, just as a way to consistently show up here in this podcast space. In the beginning, I I know in the future, I do want to move to a more like interview style podcast. Um, But for right now, I think I just want to get into the habit and the practice of showing up um, every week through audio. And in order to do that in a way that feels sustainable to me, what I'll be doing is reading the newsletter for the week. Um, so there's like three ways to engage in the Cedar School ecosystem right now. If you're not um, in our classroom membership, if you're not a learner inside the classroom and you're not attending weekly office hours and you're not um, uh, kind of working through the hours of video um, educational videos that we have in Cedar School's course library. If you're not inside the classroom, not a Cedar School learner in that way, you can engage with um, the Cedar School ecosystem um, through the newsletter that comes out every Monday. I want to be in a practice of publishing a newsletter every Monday. And then on Wednesday, reading that newsletter to y'all and maybe elaborating even more on that newsletter in this audio um, container, this audio like pocket, right? Um, And then on Friday, releasing a new YouTube video, which will just be a recording of the podcast. So the newsletter is kind of like the seed of the week and then will show up in both audio and video um, throughout the week. So this week's episode, again, like I said, it's titled um, Everybody's a Teacher Now, and it's kind of about the somatic practice of learning, working, and being, um, and how that intersects, right, with our online presence and our digital lives, right, because our ways of being are both online and off, and um, those worlds are increasingly um, blending and bleeding in both beautiful um, and, and, and terrifying and terrible ways. So let's think through this together. Um, and in this newsletter, I start off by saying, I've been thinking a lot about how our body is an interface for learning and creating alongside our ecosystems. In the Future Organisms workshop that I attended in Colorado last week, while in conversation with a cheesemaker, a ceramicist, a computational biologist, I reflected on how craft, how craft is another word 
for simply using our bodies as an interface for engaging with the material of our ecosystem. And how technology, quote unquote, is often the trace of that transformative engagement, right? I'm always thinking about the role of embodiment as it relates to technology and multi-species collaboration, but it's felt ever more present in the last couple of weeks. Following this longing, this forever, forever, ever present desire, I've been developing a Cedar School workshop series focused on embodied ways of healing and creating new relationships with code. Um, and as I began outlining the possibilities of this workshop series, I found myself returning to a piece I wrote in July of 2020, while inside the throes of the pandemic and uprisings titled, Everybody's a Teacher Now. So much has changed since then, including the fact that I started a school, right? Inspired by Bell Hook's legacy of engaged pedagogy. Um, and I hope you enjoy returning to this piece as much as I did, sitting with all that's changed. I'd love to hear from you about like what's changed for you in the past three years as we practice centering inside the classroom of the body. And kind of in honor of me experimenting with YouTube and in honor of me um, like recording this podcast and it being um, like a viewable experience, I am wearing the Bell Hooks t-shirt. Um, I got this t-shirt last week from the Studio Museum in Harlem. I ordered it online from their studio shop. Uh, it's a collaboration with um, the Black School, I'll link all of this, like the, the Black School and the t-shirt and Studio Museum in Harlem in the show notes. But um, if you wanna see, if you wanna see the like bomb ass t-shirt that I'm wearing, the bomb ass Bell Hooks t-shirt that I'm wearing um, in honor of this newsletter and her legacy in this podcast, um, check out the video um, and then also uh, get one for yourself cause it's cute and it's, you know, it's, it got Bell Hook's face on it, Bell Hook's name on it, right? And just um, a reminder of all of the brilliance um, and all of the nutrients that she's left for us um, to continue composting. So if we think about the thesis of this newsletter, of this essay that I wrote back in 2020, um, this is how I kind of entered the thesis of the newsletter. We are in a transformative cultural moment right, where we are co-opting quote-unquote social media platforms and leveraging them as quote-unquote educational media, right, something I want to I want to coin or, or, or invite us into thinking about, um, right, that social media platforms may actually be better served as educational media platforms, and it turns out maybe that's how we're using them, but um, we are in a transformative culture moment where we are co-opting social media platforms and leveraging them as educational media platforms to engage in new forms of intimacy and mutual aid. This new media is amplifying the truth that every body's a teacher now, in the past and in the future. We are in a generative moment. Remember that cultural shift when Instagram launched and everyone scoffed. Everyone's a photographer now. Well, 
That cultural shift uncovered some of the best image-making talent of our time. We don't have Instagram to thank for this. The Instagram project benefited from right place, right time, white male capitalist privilege. We actually owe thanks to community courage, the collective courage to show up to whatever platform was available and say, look what I made y'all, because that's never easy under capitalism. Now witnessing, now we're witnessing actually another cultural shift in this moment of social distancing and uprising. We are using technology to create intimacy in the form of new media, educational media, via virtual workshops, resistance guides, and resource sharing. Nowadays, my Instagram feed is less images and more graphics, more flyers, more toolkits, more curriculum. In recent years, we've co-opted social media platforms transforming them through sheer collective imagination and creative action into educational media platforms. Through our radical imagination and voicing our emerging needs amidst late stage capitalism, we've adapted Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, TikTok, Tumblr, and now Zoom, et cetera into, uh, we've kind of adapted these platforms to hack mutual aid and open education schemes. We've used these digital platforms as landscapes to radicalize each other from the mountaintops, the valleys, and in between. As it turns out, the curriculum is the only landscape big enough for all of the truths and questions 2020 is inviting us to hold and engage in. Curriculum is the only landscape big enough. Again, we do not have the makers of these social media platforms to thank for this. They did not design them to help us facilitate decentralized unlearning opportunities and resource sharing, right? While we are, while we were adapting toward mutual aid, they were adapting towards surveillance capitalism. And one silver lining in this virus of surveillance capitalism is how we have leveraged social media platforms, monstrous products designed to mine our consciousness for profit into educational media platforms. We are adapting the networks to teach each other how to unlearn the very economic system and rules of engagement the status quo that originally built the networks, all while caring for each other. Um, so that's the thesis. Um, and I kind of like in the thesis with um, this quote, this slide by Bell Hooks. Um, it's this Bell Hooks slide from the Code Society's Winter 2021 um, program organized by Melanie Hoff. Um, and you can check out this slide in the newsletter, but I'll also read it for you here. Uh, this is a direct quote from Bell Hooks. Traditional education de-emphasizes the reality that professors are in the classroom to offer something of ourselves to the students. The erasure of the body encourages us to think that we are 
listening to neutral object, objective facts, um, facts that are not particular to who is sharing the information. We are invited to teach information as though it does not emerge from bodies. She continues, significantly, those of us who are retrying to critique biases in the classroom, I don't know if, um, or, or no, significantly, those of us who are trying to critique biases in the classroom have been compelled to return to the body to speak about ourselves as subjects in history. We are all subjects in history. We must return ourselves to a state of embodiment in order to deconstruct the way power has been traditionally orchestrated in the classroom, denying subjectivity to some groups and according it to others. By recognizing subjectivity and the limits of identity, we disrupt that objectification is so necessary in a culture. We, di we disrupt the, the, that objectification that is so necessary in a culture of domination. So that's the end of the quote. Um, it's a kind of a long epigraph. So if you need to revisit it and sit with it for a little while, pause this episode, um, check out the newsletter um, or rewind um, and listen to that again. But um, something that struck me, right, is her reminding us that we are invited to teach information as though it does not emerge from bodies. Right, which is this such this like disembodied, disconnected, um, unreal, unquote unquote natural um, uh, way of thinking and learning and being. Right, what if we moved toward this like um, embodied way of teaching, this embodied way of knowing and practicing, um, reminding ourselves and remembering that yes, the world is made up of stories. Yes. Um, uh, history is made up of stories. Yes, our very like consciousness in a lot of ways is made up and fabricated through stories that we have told ourselves, but those stories are also emanating and being held <laughs> through bodies, being passed down from generation to generation through bodies. Even if we think about oral history, right? Oral history is a somatic history. It's, it's a history and a story that um, is being held through a body. And a lot of times, we, um, as Bell Hooks reminded us, um, we completely dismiss the body's role in um, metabolizing, passing down and communicating information, um, stories, uh, and therefore technology, right? The same technology that we're now then using to uh, uh, teach each other all over again and create new stories and invent new stories and therefore invent new ways of being and expanding new 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 modes of consciousness. So this this cycle, this cycle that we're continuously in of storytelling um, and allowing storytelling to invent new technologies, there's there's an essential like tool and interface in that loop that is called the body <laughs> that we also might we have to continue to invite that into this loop um, of being as well. Um, being communicating inventing right so I hope I hope y'all are still with me I hope y'all are following we started with the thesis we kind of bookended the thesis with that bell hooks quote and now we're moving into another piece of the essay titled a reflection on educational media as new media and engaged pedagogy so to continue where the thesis left off 
I start uh, in teaching to transgress. Bell Hooks talks about an engaged pedagogy, one that acknowledges our body, our presence, our subjugation in the world and understands we must teach toward liberation. She states, quote, progressive holistic education, quote unquote, engaged pedagogy is more demanding than conventional critical or feminist pedagogy. pedagogy. For unlike these two teaching practices, it emphasizes well-being, end quote. An emerging engaged pedagogy is another wisdom coming out of the new educational media that I'm thankful for in this moment, right? We have seen our communities create lessons plans, frameworks, um, and virtual experiences that center collective care, well-being, and rest. And here I am thinking about um, Annika Hasteen Zora, uh, Kamra Hakim, uh, Tricia Hersey, uh, Estelle Ellison, and the Bufu Collective, and many, many more as pr practitioners of engaged pedagogy. And apologies if those folks that I have cited, I have mispronounced your name. Um, but these are the folks that I'm thinking about as a part of this like engaged pedagogy that is happening through this um, this new media, this educational media that we're, we're seeing online, that we saw online in 2020, that in that it has only continued and expanded, right? Um, and while their work is far from new, right? They've been doing this work pre-2020. The media that they're sharing in the adaptive modes of digitally organizing community feels particularly different and life-saving in this moment still. Not only are we crafting curriculum to distribute as a multi-slide post on Instagram, collaborating on webzines as textbooks and leveraging Instagram lives as classrooms, we are living out our radical imaginations through praxis, right? Sowing the seeds of this collective wisdom in our daily lives, like the dreamers and the workers at Soul Fire Farm, right? And the troubling irony is only after a global pandemic began to kill Black folks at a disproportionate rate and highlight our environmental crisis after historic unemployment rates accelerate our interrogation of labor and wage slavery. After a revolution reignited by public Black death has already begun, Instagram releases a new quote-unquote guides feature. Do y'all remember that? They launched with well-being guides, right? How ironic. Cannibalizing the work of Black women, Black queer, and trans folks capitalizing the work they have been doing on and off the platform for years. It's no wonder who taught them, right? They simply discovered our curriculums. But I do wonder, what's the Instagram guide for dismantling Facebook and redistributing the resources to the cultural workers and community communities who inspired the new feature in the first place? We're on our way, right? So. In this section of the essay, I'm thinking about how this engage this this engaged, embodied pedagogy that we have been practicing in our communities around the kitchen table, um, you know, in text threads, 
during picnics, during weekend walks with friends, how the social, how social distancing in 2020 um, kind of invited us, kind of created this opening, this portal for us to say, okay, what does the embodied practices of belonging and caring for each other that we were practicing in our everyday lives, what does that then look like as an Instagram post, right? How do we then kind of um, translate that into um, a square, a slides of squares, right? How do we then talk about the things that we were talking about in communities, on the streets, in the corners, on the corners, in the hair salons, how do we make some sort of digestible guide, some sort of digital flyer? So how do we turn our stories into um, teach-ins? How do we turn our Instagram lives into teach-ins, um, into textbooks? How do we turn our, our stories into textbooks and our Instagram posts and feeds into educational content when we can't be together, right? We did that in 2020 and created all of these virtual classrooms to take care of each other, right? And then during the same time, Instagram launches these well-being guides, right? <laughs> what I want us to think about is how um, the way we show up offline um, is kind of informing the way we show up online. And a lot of these social media, these digital platforms, um, this is especially true with Black Twitter. They're looking at how we show up on these platforms and it's how they are researching the features to create, um, the features to introduce, to keep us there. Um, what would be actually more interesting is if they actually came to us first and asked us what we needed first and kind of included us into the user experience and, and user interface conversation, um, right? But 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 of course that's never gonna happen because we would radically transform the app and completely destabilize um, their profit models. So what they're doing is taking a piece and leaving the rest, right? Taking a piece and leaving the radical part. <laughs> taking a piece and leaving the black feminism right um and this is what's what's what is also so violent about um the way that these platforms stay relevant um they stay relevant because of our collective genius and only take the pieces um that continue to extract value from us so let's start to think about a way forward right um because we move right we move we move we move um, I wanted to include this quote, um, and it's by Chandra Mahanti, um, and it's found in, um, on race and voice challenges for liberation education in the 1990s. It's, it's from that, that text, that work. And here's the quote, resistance that is random and isolated is clearly not as effective as that which is mobilized through system, uh, system through systemic politicized practices of teaching and learning. So I'll read that one more time. Resistance that is random and isolated is clearly not as effective as that which is mobilized through systemic politicized practices of teaching and learning. 
I include this quote because I also want to state, I don't, I don't know how um, true that is. I think we need both, right? I think we need um, the resistance that is random and isolated. <laughs> I think we need that, that wildness. Um, but I also think we need, um, like, I think that is as effective and as, as necessary as the practices of teaching and learning. The practices of continuing to show up in the dance and the performance of us feeling our way toward liberation and freedom. Um, you know, and in that dance, we may break out into some improv. That is as necessary as us, you know, uh, coming together on the choreography, you know. So I think they both there there is improv improvisational choreography, right? There's choreography that creates pockets. For, for the abstract in the wild. And I think I think both are, are necessary, but I love how this quote um, both includes um, resistance um, and politicization and practice and teaching and learning um, and random all in the same sentence. Um, I, 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 I'm really drawn to that. Um, and systemic, right? Systems. Systems are a thing I'm, I'm, I'm really a geek about, which is probably why I find software engineering so irresistible. Um, but to, to conclude the essay, to conclude this podcast episode, let's think about a way forward, right? So again, we showed up for our community in 2020 and asked, how can I help? How can I serve? What can I make? What can I share, right? This collective showing up seems to be evolving into the questions, what can I learn and what can I teach, right? The cultural transformation toward education is going to inspire the next cycle of everyone's a blank now cynicism, right? We know that cynicism. But this time, it's everyone's a teacher now. And how, how, how beautiful, right? Unfortunately, with every cultural transformation, right, there are people, there will be people who mislead and take advantage of the moment solely for personal gain. But this movement of informational access or information access and mutual aid cannot, cannot, center cynicism and individualism. Community organizers and cultural workers are powering a new genre of connection. Let's call it educational media. A genre whose form and function are being worked on and worked out in real time. Share the vulnerability is a pedagogy principle I have adapted from teaching to transgress where Hooks says, quote, when education is the practice of freedom, students are not only one, our students are not the only ones who are asked to share, to confess, end quote, right? So we must emphasize sharing vulnerability and collective care as the praxis of engaged pedagogy, both online and off, right? That is to say, we must translate the teachings, shared ideas and values from educational media into our daily lives, into our daily care and into our daily healing. 
We do this through a deep commitment to teaching and learning, a deep commitment to sharing and massaging our way out of silence. Our current resistance becomes practice as we commit to every body becoming or being a teacher now. Now, now, now. Hooks frames education as the practice of freedom. When done with the whole body, wholeheartedly, teaching also becomes the practice of radical love. A way forward. And it's possibly the only way forward, family, right? Um, so as we think about this, this loop of storytelling, um, informing our technology, let's also remember that stories emanate from the body. Teachings, lessons, wisdoms, ancestral memory emerges from the body and then gets translated into story right, or educational media, we then share that educational media through technology, through something called the internet, um, hosted on something called servers, right, that get then get beamed to machines that are called phones and computers, right, we, the, the technology piece is going to be interchangeable. That's going to change for forever, right? The, the the interface right now is screens, phones, computers. The interface tomorrow may be a tree, right? Um, uh, or maybe our bodies, right? The, the, the thing that I think will always continue in that loop, though, the things that I think will be constant and constants in those in that loop is the body and, and storytelling. And right, those stories emanating from our body, right? Now, the technology piece maybe um, something that gets changed. Something that I often fantasize about is what if we just take the technology piece out of it? Like what happens when we just return back to um, our body and all of the brilliance and divinity that emanates from it, which is which are the stories, um, which may also be the technology. Maybe the stories are the technology. I don't, you know, I don't know. I think the word technology um, and interfaces is something that we use is, is a language that we're now expanding um, to being um, encompassing of the, of the everyday things like the body and, and stories, right? We can very much as just as easily call, um, refer to stories as technology and refer to the body as an interface. So um, I love playing with technology and, and um, uh, the, or, or I love playing with the technology of language in thinking through these things, but um, I'd love to uh, hear y'all's thoughts on um, educational media. I, I mentioned some examples. Um, I mentioned some examples at the kind of like throughout the essay, but um, I'd love to hear any other examples that y'all have um, come across. Any other examples y'all have heard of? Um, any other examples you're returning to? Um, because I'd love to continue thinking through this um, and expanding on this piece. 
and um, kind of expanding our, our, our database of examples around educational media, the media that is kind of holding us in this moment and beyond as we as we journey toward the way forward, as we journal, as we journey and practice um, radical love. So that was this week's podcast episode and also this week's YouTube video. Thank you for joining. If you are watching, um, I appreciate you tuning in. Um, again, other ways you can engage with the Cedar School ecosystem is through the newsletter that I just read, is through the podcast that you are listening to if you're doing audio only, and through the YouTube video that you are currently watching. If you want um, not only a deeper level of engagement, but maybe if you want to actually build the skill of uh, learning how to code, I think we're, we're, we're building our interpersonal skills and our relational skills and our intellectual reflection um, around a lot of these things through the Seed of School ecosystem. But if you actually also want to um, learn how to code, right, and you want to build a portfolio, a coding portfolio of projects that are inspired by Black feminist um, belonging and thinking and practicing, if you want to build a portfolio because you want to become a freelance web designer or web developer, if you want to um, possibly become a software engineer, right? Then explore what that would feel like. If you want to um, start your own uh, software engineering teaching practice, or if you just want to be a community coder, right? And you want to build these home-cooked apps uh, for your block, for your neighborhood, for your home, for your multi-generational home. Um, a portfolio helps. Building a series of projects where you are learning how to code toward this specific goal helps. So um, please visit cedaschool.com, book a consultation call with me where we can talk through some of your coding goals, talk through those seeds of your curiosity and start to together maybe develop a vision for what a coding portfolio can look like for you and like what you could do with it, right? The money you could earn with it, the, the things that you can teach and do and build in the world with a coding portfolio, um, how it can expand your interdisciplinary, your transdisciplinary, your multidisciplinary creative practice, right? Because we already know, we already know you out here building and world building and creating and imagining. Um, what could code look like in the existing ecosystem of your creative practice? So visit cedarschool.com. Go ahead and get on my calendar, book um, a consultation call where we'll, where we'll kind of talk about all this together um, until next week. I'm excited about this practice, y'all. And I'm also excited that we also kind of have like a built-in transcript for um, the podcast and the YouTube video for accessibility purposes through the newsletter. So check that out if you'd also want to read that um, and also um, check out the footnotes. All right, this was fun. I'll see you next week. Bye.